0: This is... This is... This is... Greater Boston. Well, goodness, Mr. Fredericks, have you got the right idea today?
1: Morning, Bernie. Yes, it's very beautiful out, isn't
0: it? Well, Lord knows if I wasn't up working, I'd be at home in my own garden as well. What's on the docket?
1: Well, I've got cucumbers, tomatoes, eggplant, and kale all going so far. Right now I'm making some room for some winter squash.
0: Mmm, mm, mm. Sounds like you've got the makings of a mighty fine salad there, don't you? That's
1: the plan. Say, if you come back in a few weeks, I might even have a bit of fresh veg for you.
0: Oh, you're too kind, my friend. It's no trouble at all.
1: What about you? What you got for me? Something good, I hope.
0: <laughs> it seems like I just might. Uh, are you a friend of this Michael Tate's? Seems like he's a mighty popular guy. You're probably the twelfth person I delivered one of these letters to this week.
1: Yes, Michael was a friend of mine.
0: It's wild what happened to him, isn't it? It certainly is,
1: but not necessarily surprising. At least, not if you've worked
0: there. (laughs) I believe it. Well, don't let me keep you from your garden, Tyrell. Plenty more mail that's got to get delivered. Enjoy
1: your day, Bernie.
2: Dear Tyrell, I'm writing you from the publisher's secret office at the top of the secret elevator behind the kombucha machine at Third Sight. If you're receiving this, it's likely too late for me as I've been locked in here for several weeks without food. But if by some miraculous twist of fate you happen to know the passcode, I'm begging you to come rescue me. It wouldn't be the first time you used your kindness, generosity, and intuition to protect me from Oliver West's malicious intent. And I'm fully aware of that. And regardless of the outcome of this letter, recognize that I am forever in your debt. You know, I will always admire you for the way you advocated for yourself and me by leaving the way you did. Even if I must admit, I was never entirely sure what you thought I'd be able to accomplish with that many squeezy stress balls. Still, it was an ultimate act of kindness and demonstrated to me that you saw through dipshit and the publisher's actions. You understood that what was happening here, to me, was cruel, even even when... I wasn't able to see that myself. It was brave, admirable, and and beautiful. And I truly thank you for it. But that isn't the only reason I'm writing you today, because I must make a confession to you. For I have committed a cruelty upon you that, until now, I've never admitted to another soul. Tyrell, I am ashamed to say that I am the Third Sight Lunch Thief. It started innocently enough at first. Before Gemma left, she told me how nobody ever cleared their food out. And here I was, hungry but newly employed with a negative bank balance. So, that day, it was out of an act of self-preservation. I sought out whatever looked properly abandoned and landed on a bit of your old, forgotten veggie lo mein with extra mushrooms. At the time, it did the job, and you seemed none the wiser. So, I didn't think anyone would be hurt by my actions. But eventually, I changed. No longer was I merely the kind of lunch thief that raids the fridge and picks at whatever looks good that day. No. My actions were far more nefarious than that. I spent my next few months seeking out whichever Tupperware or takeout containers had your name written on it. And not only because you consistently had the very best food of the bunch, though, let me be very clear... You absolutely did. It, it, was, it was because I was rebelling against an imagined slight I at the time believed you were making against me. The oven-roasted ratatouille with uh, cherry tomatoes that burst in my mouth and a balsamic reduction that I still can't get out of my head. Your award-winning three-bean chili sent me and every single person who works with us reaching for a bag of stale tortilla chips. I was all you. You see, my friend, I'm a recovering alcoholic. And from the very beginning of my time at Third Sight, I I was aghast at how readily available the booze was, not only from the top-shelf company bar cart or freshly tapped kegs, but from the relentless Margarita Mondays you threw week after week. Now, I know I could have come to you about this. You were the head of HR, for goodness sake. But my sobriety was new, and this was the first steady job I had in ages. So, at the time, I blamed you. Even though I I understood intrinsically what you were doing was out of kindness uh, of your heart, and desire for camaraderie between colleagues, I, I couldn't yet take responsibility for my own weakness. At this point, I have no idea how I can return the very many favors you've done for me. But if I somehow, through some dumb stroke of luck, make it out of here, give me a call. Lunch is on me. With love, Michael Tate. Wow, did
1: you, beautiful baby sprouts, hear all that? Sir, it sort of explains a lot. I always wondered why Michael never joined us at company happy hours. I figured he was just shy, sensitive, but this makes a lot more sense. And while I'd wish he'd felt comfortable enough to confide in me, human resources departments, no matter how honorably run, do have a pesky history of protecting the employer more than the employee. And an admission of that kind may have triggered the kind of recourse that would have seen Michael unemployed all over again. Hmm. I wish this letter had gotten to me sooner. Not that I had the code he needed. No, I didn't even know those apartments were there. But I would have done anything I could to help my friend out of that situation. Because I know he would have done the same for me. Still, I'm glad he was able to get himself out. Now I'll be able to take him up on that lunch. I wonder if he's still got the same number. I guess there's only one way to find out. Hello? Michael! Michael! It's Tyrell, and you have no idea how good it is to hear your voice. Greater Boston is created by Alexander Danner and Jeff Van with help from TH Ponders, Bob Ramunda, and Jordan Stillman. Recording and technical assistance from Mark Harmon. This episode was written by Bob Ramunda and sound designed by Alexander Danner. Dialogue editing by Bob Ramunda. This episode featured Josh Rubino as Bernie, Arun Sanuti as Tyrell Fredericks, and James Oliva as Michael Tate. Charlie on the MTA recorded by Emily Peterson and Dirk Titi. Child Grove and Shove That Pig's Foot a Little Farther in the Fire recorded by Adrienne Howard, Emily Peterson, and Dirk Titi. For news and updates, you can sign up for our newsletter, link in the show notes. You can support Greater Boston on Patreon at patreon.com slash greaterboston. Greater Boston is a third site media production.
0: don't you? Ooh, that was so sinister. Let
2: me try that again. Hello? Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. That hello is at the end of this thing. Don't worry. I thought of that the second I said it. I was like, he's going to think I'm talking to him.
1: The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers
2: flourish. Whoa... Check out this place. You'd love to retire here? What is this?
0: Out now on podcast platforms across the galaxy.